2 Corinthians chapter 6, continuing that passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we're looking from verse 14, and we're going to the first verse of chapter 7. So you probably know from previous weeks, Paul has written this letter, and he's getting opposition and problems from the Christians in Corinth. But if you go back to verse 11 of this chapter, he expresses to them that he loves them. And he says to them, I've opened my heart to you. I I have an open heart. Um, It's like an open book. You can see all about me. I've, I've told you exactly what I'm thinking. He's sharing that with them. He's shared everything with them in this letter. Then he pleads with them and says to them, could you open your hearts to me as well? Will you open your hearts? I sense that you're holding something back. You're not telling me everything. You've got a divided heart. And that's what he's pleading with them, saying, please share with me what you have. Now, when we talk about having a divided heart and not sharing everything, it might be true of us. When you speak to a child, quite often, and they're telling you something, if they're holding something back, it's so obvious in their face, their expression, they can't hide the fact that there's something there they should be telling you. And in the case of the Corinthians, they were holding back because they were still listening to false teaching. And they were still dabbling in the world. They were still compromising with the world. This is what they were doing. So they, they were holding these things back. They were not telling them everything. We've got two grandsons, aged 11. They live near Carlisle, and I was born in Carlisle. So they like their football. So when we talk about football, I say to them, you should support Carlisle United, right? And so they say, yeah, okay. But really, they like Manchester United because they're glamorous. So if I say to them, which team do you support? They don't want to upset their granddad. So they'll say, oh, we support Carlisle United. But they're, they're holding something back. They've got a divided heart between what they want to say to please me and what they really want to say, which is they support Manchester United. And that's what was happening here. And Paul says to us today, are you holding back something? Have you got a divided heart or are you totally committed to my things? I'm going to read this passage now. So it's from verse 14. It says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, Come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Really what Paul is saying here is this word separation. I want you to be separate from the world. I want you to come out of the world. Now separation, unfortunately, has been greatly misunderstood amongst Christians. In some cases, separation has been identified as isolation. 
that we separate ourselves totally from those around us. We have nothing to do with anybody. We isolate ourselves. And by doing that, we can be pure, we can be perfect, we can be pleasing to God. But often those people fall out amongst themselves. There's another extreme to that, the opposite to that isolation, is that freedom that um, some people have reacted to the isolation and said, well, let's be free, let's accept everybody. Let's have everybody in our fellowship. And I, I, I understand their desire, which is to say to people, God loves everybody. But there has to be a discernment as well about that, doesn't there? There has to be an understanding. Otherwise, we become indistinguishable from society. And I, one of my greatest concerns amongst young people today is that they're often not different from those around. I, I see it. And, and the churches, some churches that do so much to attract people that they become no different from the world around. And Paul is saying quite clearly here, it is so important to get this right, to understand what separation means, what un to understand what it means to come out, to be set apart for God. It's an inward attitude. It's, it's not something that should be externally shown. It's something that's inward. We need to inside understand what it means to be set apart. I just want to pick out three things from this passage to help us understand um, reasons why we should be separate and what it means to be separate. The first one is we have a different nature now. We have a God's nature. It tells us in verse 16, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. We are God's people now and we have his nature. And therefore, Paul sets out very clearly in these verses, in the first couple of verses we read, the contrast between our nature and other natures. I mean, when you look at it, it's so obvious, isn't it? Let's read them together again. It says in verse 14, what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Well, it's, it's almost a daft question in a way, isn't it? There's no connection between righteousness and wickedness. They're extremes. And we've been saved, haven't we, from being slaves of sin to be slaves to righteousness. We have been made right with God. We've been clothed in a cloak of righteousness. So why would we want to then play around with sin? Why would we want to associate with the opposite of that, which is wickedness? Because we've been brought into this righteous nature that we have. And then he says, what fellowship can light have with darkness? Well, again, it's obvious, the two extremes, light and darkness cannot meet, can they? Because as soon as you bring them together, the light shines in the darkness. We've been brought out of darkness into his light. Then it says, what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Well, Belial is another name for Satan. Again, they took the contrast between Christ and Satan. And Paul is saying, this, what's, what's, what have these two things got in common? Well, they don't. Then it says, and what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Paul sets out these contrasts, and they're quite clear. But what does it mean in practice for us? Because one of the things I find is that we read the Bible, we understand what we read, but how do we apply it to our daily lives? What does it mean to have this new nature 
Well, I think it means things like attitudes and beliefs that we hold when we're talking to people around us, because the world is coming up with all sorts of different ideas now, isn't it? So therefore, the attitude and opinion that we have is quite important that is that's distinct from those around us. What do we do with our time? Where do we go? What places do we go to? What films and TV do we watch? What books do we read? These are all indications, aren't they, of, of how we're living, of whether we're holding something back, whether we have divided hearts or not. We've got to be honest with ourselves. We know what God has brought us into, but are we like the Corinthians, still holding on to something which is not pleasing to God? And then one of the big things that we often have to deal with is what friends do we have? And this is a big question. Can we have non-Christian friends and to what extent can we be friendly with them? It talks about being not unequally yoked in this passage here. Now this is a reference back to Deuteronomy where they had the, the plough in the field and they had the ox and the donkey. And he says, don't put an ox to a donkey. Right? One reason being the ox is clean, in terms for the Jews, the donkey is unclean. So you don't put an unclean animal with a clean animal. But also it's quite obvious, they're totally different types of animal. I saw a picture of a, a camel a camel and a donkey harnessed together, which is more extreme. Because when they start walking, they're walking at different paces, they've got different strengths, they're going to go in different directions. Their natures are different. And Paul is saying, our natures are different. We, are, we've got to, we can't pretend any longer that we're the same as the world. We are different. We've been saved from the world into his kingdom. And therefore, our nature is different, and we cannot be unequally yoked in all these situations with someone or something that is not of our nature. Otherwise, we'll go astray. I'm going to ask, did you see to help me here? Can you come up? Did you see? You're not expecting this at all. <laughs> but I just want to go up here. Can you stay down there? Stand, no, come, you're not taking over, right? <laughs> I've become friends with Deducey, right? I want to bring Deducey up to my level. He wants to bring me down to, he's not a Christian, right? You've probably suspected him for a while, but he's not a Christian. <laughs> and I'm trying to pull him up to my level, right? And I'm gonna pull, he's gonna pull, just take it easy, mate. <laughs> right? It's very, very hard for me to pull you up here. It's a lot easier for you to pull me down. But, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna walk you, thank you, Deducey. He's a bit rough. A very simple example, you know, I, I see so many young Christians who believe that if I become friends with a person, I know what I can do, I can convince them to become a Christian. Occasionally that does happen, but in the majority of cases it doesn't happen, because it's so much easier to pull someone down than to pull them up. And remember that when we're thinking of the things we're doing, think of the friends that we have, we are different, and we mustn't be unequally yoked. We mustn't be divided in the way that we live. We love God. They don't love God. We have God's principles and lives and values. They don't. 
We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. They don't. There's such a difference in our natures. It would be daft to put those two things together. And that's what so many people do. We've got a granddaughter who um, met a man at university. He wasn't a Christian. We praise God that he became a Christian. They're married and they're going on really well. But I can tell you that in so many cases that does not happen. That the opposite happens. They become disinterested. They start to wander away because they're trying to please two people. They're trying to please God and please their friend. It seems pretty clear then that God is saying, be separate. But how do I do that? How do I live in a world with all these things going around? And how do I please God in that situation? Because it it's tough. I'm, I'm, let's be honest, it's tough. I find it tough. What we could do is we could compromise. Yeah, we try compromise. When Pam and I go shopping, we compromise. You know, I might go out there and say, I think today we need six eggs. She says, we need 12 eggs. Compromise, we'll buy nine eggs. <laughs> Not a problem. Not a problem at all. The only problem you have is finding a box of nine eggs. But other than that, that's a compromise. And that's a, that's a good compromise to have. But when it comes to compromising in Christian things, believe me, it does not work. It says in Psalm 18, as for God, his way is perfect. Now, if his way is perfect, we don't need to compromise his way at all. We just need to listen to what God is saying, and we know that it's right. Now, I'm going to be quite clear. What I'm saying here is that when it comes to marriage, we should not marry an unbeliever. But it can also apply to business. We shouldn't be in partnership with an unbeliever. The, the question then arises, well, what friendship can I have? And I think the Lord Jesus is a good example of how he handled the situation. Because he was in this world, as we are. Things were happening around him as they happened around us. And we read in the Gospels, don't we, that quite clearly he spoke to sinners. He ate in sinners' homes. So he obviously had a relationship with them, but in no way did he compromise who he was, the Son of God and his holy nature. He had contact, but he wasn't contaminated by that contact. And therefore, I, I strongly believe we need to have those people we're friends with outside the church. How else will they know who we are? How else will they know who God is? How else will they understand the love of God? But we have to be wise in the way that we express ourselves and wise in the way we get involved. Because again, I can assure you that we can so often become friends and before you know what we are, we are compromising and doing things that they want us to do, which we know we shouldn't be doing. And we think, well, if I do that, if I go to that place with them and I ask them to come to church next week, they'll come to church. No, they're just happy they've got you to go somewhere they want to go. It doesn't work like that. Compromise does not work. We need to be strong in what we believe. So those examples that Paul sets out, they're really addressed to the individual. But then the last one he mentions is more about a group of us. 
He says, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. In the Old Testament, God dwelt in the temple. Nowadays, God dwells in us as believers. The Holy Spirit, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells in each one of us. And he expects each of us to therefore get on together. Some verse, the words that are used in this first few verses where he says, for example, what do we have in common? What fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony? So the words are in common, fellowship, harmony. Words that talk about working together, being united. It's like an orchestra playing a tune where they all play the same tune and it all works together. Um, whereas if you all play a different instrument and a different tune, it would be chaotic. So as a fellowship, as a local church, it's our responsibility also to hold, not to hold things back, but to have that openness in our hearts with one another, knowing that we're all indwelt by the Holy Spirit and that we should be seen as harmonious. And I think that's a wonderful picture to those outside as well. When they see that love for one another, when they see that unity, that speaks volumes to them and is attractive to them. So we've thought just a little bit about how we have the nature of Christ. Our nature is different, and therefore because of that, there's absolutely no question in our mind that we are different, and therefore we have to be separate from those around us, but separate in a way that we're also able to reach out to them. That's, that balance is, is vital. If we don't get that balance right, we'll either become isolated or we become so open that we're no different from anybody else. It's getting that balance right. But then it talks about, well, in verse 17, he quotes from Isaiah, and he talks about, well, what does the Bible say? What is Scripture saying about this? And in Isaiah 52, he quotes, Come out from them and be separate. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. So again, he's repeating, there needs to be a separation. Now, he's quoting Isaiah, and it's, the passage there is referring to the Israelites coming out of Babylon and going back home. But he's, throughout the Old Testament, we find examples, don't we, of, of them being told to be separate from the nations around. Don't be contaminated by those nations around you. Be separate. And we find that they, they constantly disobey. They constantly do their own thing. And repeatedly, the, the prophets have to come along and tell them to, to get back in line. Um, so there's a, a theme running through the Old Testament of being told to come out of the world be separate from other nations, but there's a, a lot of disobedience. And we are told to come out, just as the Israelites were told to come out. To come out and be separate from the nations around us, from the people around us, but have that love for them that the Lord Jesus has for them. That's a balance to, to try and get, isn't it? And then, thirdly, it talks about the Lord wanting to bless us. In verse 18, I will be a father to you. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. He wants us to be set apart for him so he can give his blessings on us. In the Old Testament, Abraham and Lot were walking together. 
totally different characters, as we find out. But they were together. And they had to make a decision. Abram was one who was showing faith. He'd done many things wrong in his life, but fundamentally he had faith in God. Lot had come out of Egypt, and Lot was still thinking back to what was happening in Egypt, things that he was missing. And he was looking forward and looking at things that he thought, they're quite attractive to me. Can you see the contrast between the man of God walking by faith and the man who's walking by sight and seeing what's attractive and being drawn away by it? And they come to a decision, don't they, to, to part company. And Lot goes to that area that is attractive and, it, and Abraham follows God's command and follows him. And God blesses Abraham in that situation. God wants to bless each of us today. But he wants us to be close to him. He wants us to be set apart for him. He wants us not to have that divided heart, not to be holding stuff back, but to be open with him and to recognize that he is our everything. In the prodigal son, you know, the son goes away. And he's an example of someone, isn't he, who just enjoys life, spending what he had, until he gets to a point where he comes to its senses, he says. And he thinks, what am I doing here? And he goes back to be with his father. And when he's with his father, he's now in his father's house. He's at his father's table. He's eating his father's food. He's wearing his father's clothes. All the blessings that the father has for him are given to him because he's come back. His nature has changed. He's now set apart and belonging to God. And that's what God is saying to us. Stop that rebellious part of your, your, your life and come to me and I will bless you. I've got so much to give you. And the sins that we have, the things that we're doing, the prodigal son, it was a, a sins of the flesh, wasn't it? But his brother was back home. He had different sort of sins. He had sins of the spirit. He was struggling to even love his brother and his father. It was a different kind of sin. And he had, he had to cope with that. He had to deal with that. He was living in the house, but he wasn't receiving the blessing because he was having this in his mind that was wrong. I just ask again, are we holding anything back? Is there anything in our lives which is restricting us from God giving us his full blessing? Please be open with God. Even if you're not open with one another because that's something that's embarrassing. Open with God and say to God, yes, there's things in my life which I'm hanging on to. I've got a divided heart. But I do want it all to be given to you. It comes to the end of this, in, in verse 1 of chapter 7. We have a, a call to action, if you like. He says, therefore, therefore, because of what we've already heard, because of what God has already said, because we're his people, because he's instructed us to come out and be a part, because he wants to bless us, therefore, he says, because of these things, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Let us purify ourselves. Let us come away from that and let us perfect holiness out of reverence for God perfecting holiness is an ongoing thing, isn't it? it happens every day it happens every week, it's living our life in a way that is becoming more like the Lord Jesus we will never be perfect but it is living in a way that we're trying to perfect holiness 
And by doing that, we need to come away from those things which can contaminate. God wants us to be set apart from sin, set apart from those things which can distract us. He wants everything. He wants, he's, he's a selfish, jealous God. Sorry, not selfish, jealous God. He wants us for himself. And there's, the question today is, are we prepared to give him everything? Or are we holding something back like the Corinthians were? May we do so for his name's sake. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear God and Father, we thank you for your love for us. We were thinking earlier about how you love us and how you gave your son for us. We sang it would have been a mystery, that love. We can't understand it because our 